Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers, and this is The Leader. <laughs> All quiet on the Western Front. All warm up. Most known as Bye. The Netflix movie, nearly entirely in German, has already made history at the BAFTAs after becoming the award's most decorated foreign language film of all time with seven wins. A success it's hoping to match at the Oscars. But the story of how this epic anti-war tale actually came to fruition isn't the most traditional. It involves 16 years of perseverance, countless gruelling triathlons and a prevailing childhood love of the original 1929 novel. Leslie Patterson is a producer and screenwriter for the film, and let's just say she didn't have the most conventional background when it came to making movies. So, Leslie, how exactly do you become a triathlete and a screenwriter? Yeah, so, you know, I've always been an athlete from a very young age. Um, I was a rugby player first as the only girl in an all-boys team at Stirling County, in Scotland where I grew up and so I've always uh, loved to, to face the hard obstacles in life and try and overcome them and when I was no longer allowed to play rugby with the boys I got into triathlon through my dad and was was really pretty good at that uh, uh, quickly and got in the uh, Scottish and then national team and uh, yeah it was uh, it was uh, it was a labor of love I absolutely you know just thought it was amazing and always wanted to go to the Olympics but simultaneously uh, I was doing ballet dancing I was in theater groups and I ended up studying my undergraduate in drama at Loughborough University at the same time as competing and and that's pretty be- pretty much been the way it's uh, you know it's gone for the last you know, 20 years of my life competing and, and doing, you know, my art, you know, at the same time. Leslie, All Quiet on the Western Front wouldn't have actually been possible without your earnings as a triathlete, would it? Yeah, totally. So, you know, when you're a triathlete, you know, the earnings are, are few and far between, but you focus on race winnings. And so uh, race winnings are always, ne- I mean, you, they're not a guarantee, so that's kind of like the cream the cream on top so that's what we utilize to fund the payments of of the option of the novel so yeah every step of the way it was kind of using sport and art at the same time 
Tell us about your relationship with the novel All Quiet on the Western Front. When did you read it and what kind of impact did it have on you? Yeah, so I read it at school and to be honest, it's just such a gorgeous novel. It's so poetic. The themes are so uh, prevalent even now uh, of, you know, um, the betrayal of a youthful generation and obviously telling it from the other side was so fascinating to me because uh, so often we, we never see, you know, German, you know, filled with humanity and that's what this novel is. So it's just a beautiful, a beautiful book. Did you always want to make it into a film? It actually came about because they had a special deal, uh, like a special promotion of the book, uh, way back in 2006. And my writing partner at the time, Ian and I, read the book for, for the second time or third time or or whatever it was. And of course, just were re-engaged with the material and were fascinated about turning it you know, adapting it again and turning it into a film because it hadn't been for, for many years. And World War One is obviously uh, such an impactful war. We felt like it was the right time to do that. So then we inquired about the rights to the novel and they were available, which was quite shocking really as, as outsiders and no-name writers to be able to do that because most titles of this magnitude are already picked up by the studios or big producers, but they were available. Um, and I think a large piece of that was to do with the fact that World War One was not covered much, uh, you know, in, in, in cinema at the time, because cinema was largely American-centric. And of course, World War One, you know, is not American-centric at all. It's European-centric. So the appetite for it was a lot less. So times have changed. And of course, that's meant making this film possible. It actually took 16 years for this film to get made. How did you eventually get that yes? Yeah, so, you know, 16 years is a long time to keep reinventing the wheel and really just kind of taking various different steps and side steps and thinking outside the box about how to get it done, having different directors on board, pitching new people, having different financiers, different producers, different actors, um, you know, and the landscape is ever-changing and certainly... 16 years ago this film wouldn't have been possible uh, to raise this kind of finance without a streamer uh, and in German language but now the appetite for foreign film has gone up uh, with you know films like Parasite winning for best picture and best foreign film and then you've got Sam Mendes' 1917 shining a light in World War One, and seeing that there was an appetite for that it, really the timing was absolutely everything. Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear All Quiet on the Western Front screenwriter Leslie Patterson on adjusting to life after the huge success of the film and her hopes for the Oscars. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. 
The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. Leslie, the film is obviously nearly all in German, but you don't actually speak any of the language, do you? Where did that decision come from and what was it like adapting to that as a screenwriter? Well, here's the good news about it. When we initially adapted it, of course, we did a lot of research. We read a lot about the German perspective, trench war diaries from the German perspective. Obviously, the historical context in terms of the armistice signing, the reparations that Germany had to pay, the last six hours of the war, all of these elements that that within our research we discovered. Um, And then we adapted it in English, went on this journey. When Edward came on board as a director and as a co-writer, he did a draft of the script, which really infused it with that German sensibility. And then, of course, translating it was far easier because, you know, his vision was encapsulated in it as well. So it was really a team effort that was pretty seamless, to be honest. That's Edward Berger you mentioned there, who directed the film and was born in Germany. Wieder mehr als 40.000 Tote allein in den letzten Wochen. Es ist vorbei. When you all watched the film back after it was finished for the first time, what was that like, given all the work, the 16 years that had gone into that moment? Did it live up to your expectations? Oh, it was better. There was no question about it. We all watched it. My husband, who played a large role in this film as well, um, Simon, um, my husband and I, and my mum and father-in-law and my sister-in-law, we all watched it last Christmas. We were given a link by Netflix, you know, of, of the cotton. It was it was mind-blowing. It was so... It was very, very emotional for all of us because we'd all been invested in this journey and... Yeah, I mean, it's pretty profound to see your words up there, but just to see your vision up there and it finally coming together and the beauty of what Ed and Malta have created. Obviously, it's become a huge hit. Why do you think this film has become so successful and touched so many people's lives? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's incredibly timely given what's going on in the Ukraine at the moment. So I think there's a larger awareness of, you know, anti-war messaging and what does that mean and what does that look like? And then I think that um, the fact that it's told from, quote unquote, the enemy as we know them, uh, is is given us a different sense of humanity about the German nation. And that is really appealing, I think, to a wide audience to really have empathy, to look outside, to share in another country's experience and to try and come to some understanding of it from their perspective. Um, because this story is really one that is not about a hero or an adventure. It's, a, it's just such a true anti-war uh, an anti-war sentiment and I also think the way that that, that Ed and, and our cinematographer shot this, James it's so immersive and it's so intense it takes the audience member on an experience that they've probably never had before so, and you know yeah, I think it's it's just an unusual film told from the outside in perspective that, that, that Ian and I brought and then the inside out perspective that, that Ed and, and, and the rest of the German crew brought. 
Now, obviously, you're going to the BAFTAs now. You've got the Oscars coming up. Has there been any real, like, pinch-me moments yet? What's been the most surreal thing since the film's release? Oh, God, every moment. I mean, every moment. Arriving on the red carpet, having all... Like, you, you get in front of the photographers and they're all screaming your name and you're like, What? Um, to being called out as a winner, to meeting your massive idols in, in film, um, you know, whether that's, you know, the likes of Austin Butler or, you know, Kate Blanchett or, you know, I mean, just uh, there's so many moments where my husband and I have just pinched each other and thought, is this really happening? So it's going to take a, a long while just to absorb it and, and have a sense of what's really happened. And have you still got time to do triathlons or are you too busy now? I'm not, not going to lie, it's pretty busy. We've got, yeah. we've got <laughs> projects we've got going on right now that we're developing all over the shop. But, you know, I still train every morning for three to four hours. And that's when I, interestingly, I mean, that's when I get a lot of my ideas. But it's also when I watch a lot, a lot of the content that's coming out. So I'm up to date with what's going on. So when I'm in meetings, I can really draw upon the current marketplace. So it feels like I'm at least you know, doing kind of two things at once and multitasking. And obviously the big one, the Oscars are on Sunday. How will you actually feel if you win? Oh, man, I I think probably a a whole other level of, yeah, overwhelmingness. Um, But by that point, we might just be so exhausted. You're like, okay, you know. We, We just really want to enjoy the experience, to be honest, because you can't guarantee anything and... You know, we're now going to sort of just really ratchet down on making sure people have watched our film and that the word is out there to, to really get behind it. So that that's the goal right now. And what will be will be, and we're just going to really try and enjoy the Oscar experience. And that's it from The Leader. This podcast is back on Monday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.